here, all cooking in the brain pan. I'll use my radio voice from when I was in college. I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic or not. I was going to bring this up, but you just have, you know, you have a graduate. Yeah. So it's very much present in your mind right Absolutely. now. Yep. What's what's going on? Is she prepared? Is she not prepared? I'm, she yeah. seems pretty prepared. And now what? This year she signed up to take differential equations in Calc 3 at NMC, started it and thought to herself, I don't need this. I don't want this. And she ended up taking AP Studio Art. And she'd never been able to take an art class before because she was so focused on academics. But we sent the teacher a portfolio of her work and said, what, what, can, what can she sign up for? And she said, put her in AP Studio. And she ended up being featured at an art show down in Frankfurt. And you know, she's just really loved being able to explore that part that she never was able to before. She's all self-taught as an artist. Um, but having that experience in high school now uh, was really, it made her senior year so much more worthwhile and so much more personally meaningful than just going through another math class. Where did she get that idea? As she wanted to do it, we had a conversation. Well, and As she kind of was feeling, you know, kind of pigeonholed uh-huh. a little bit, I guess, into this, uh, this is the box that I'm in. I'm going to just be sticking into the classes and the spots. Right, I think right. a lot of high school students kind of get into that. Yeah. Even the successful ones. Yeah where they're like, I need to maximize my time in my field. Right. Instead of looking at all the things that, especially, I mean, our high schools are silly as far as the amount that they offer, to go, oh, maybe I, I'm young, I should diversify my interests right. and try some different things. A lot of us use that old phrase, to be well-rounded. At, at a certain point, you know, you have to give the kids the freedom to to explore something so they'll know what's out there. And that's a little bit of where she's at now is going into college. She sees other kids who are like, I'm going to be doctor. I'm going into the trades. Uh, I'm going to go work at my parents' restaurant. All these kids have specific plans. And she still feels like she's in explorer mode. And, and some kids end up feeling like that's a lesser place to be. And I like that place. That's a good place. I like to live there. I think I still live there, which is, you know, part of why I have multiple jobs <laughs> and read all the time and have tons of friends. And, you know, my kids always make fun of me because I know everybody. And it's because of music. That's the weird thing. Well, it's it's music. And I think you have an, uh, a genuine interest in the world. Yeah. You naturally have a curiosity about yeah. what they do. So there's going to be some conversations, you're not looking at somebody as this is out of my comfort zone or out right. of my interest. It's all interesting. Right. Which to your point, I think we're, we're we've just started the pot. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling fine. with this. Having that level of diverse interests creates a more well-rounded, as you said, person. And I think is a much healthier place to be as a person. You had brought up some things is in regards to, um, ISTE and what we're looking at for our our, our students, mm-hmm. you know, in their future. And I brought up TCAP's portrait of a graduate, and I was comparing the two. Yeah, because most of the things in in the ISTE standards for students yeah. are mirrored to some extent in our portrait of a graduate. Sure, except for resilient. And I was thinking about that when we're having this little dialogue. Yeah, 
I think some of the resiliency comes from having just like in, in nature, for instance, diversity. Yep. A diversity of interests. So if something does hit you, you can bounce to some other skill or ability to help leverage or buttress that knock. If you don't have that, so I, I do wonder, I was thinking, I'm like, how do you teach resiliency? It's not something you can sit and get, but we can create situations during which they experience it. So I think that when we offer students an opportunity to choose a path of learning or to choose how they're going to demonstrate their learning and they have to struggle through how that gets expressed, I think that can build resilience because at the end, when they are successful, they see, here's the thing I'd, I'd never done before. I did it and I was successful. That's going to build resilience. We, we try to give our students multiple ways to demonstrate learning. For last semester's exam, I offered students the opportunity to write a traditional essay, to record a podcast, to do an interview with a local expert that would have something to say about the topic and then re report that out, and they could do that audio or uh, in writing, a number of different ways. And then they had to pick the way that fit the way that they thought they best expressed their ideas. And for some of them that wanted to do it, it was the podcasting thing, and most of them had never done it before, or they maybe had done it once in another class or... Um, some of them opted to do a podcast earlier in my semester. So they were struggling with a new tool, a new way of composing. It's not writing, but it's still composing. And we talked about things like when you sit down to do a podcast, when you sit down to do a recording, you're speaking differently than you do if you're just having a chat. Your pace is different. Your accents are different. The emphasis you put on different words is different. We talked about what a good podcast sounds like. And then those students who wanted to choose that did. And by giving that option, the students get to choose the way in which they think they will be most successful. And then when they receive that success, when they experience that success, that gives them another tool in their backpack that they can say, the next time I have to do something, I've got this thing I'm good at. And I think that's what a lot of resilience is. It's an, a collection of experiences that make us good at survival. And if I have multiple ways to be successful, those are all tools that I'm going to use for my survival. And the other thing that we offered for them was there were multiple people in the class who had chosen the podcast earlier in the semester, and we made them available as helpers so that for students who chose the podcasting, you know, it's not cheating to get help from your colleague. It's called collaboration. And that's one of the things that employers are looking for. And when I started, you know, really looking at this topic in, in terms of, you know, what should we leave with? We're graduating high school. What should we be, we be walking out with? And one of the things I looked at was what employers want. And they want resilience, Resilience and collaborator; those the, the, they're right next to each other on our portrait of a graduate. Yeah, portrait of a graduate. So you you've kind of nailed it. Yeah, they want those collaborators because so much of the work that's being done now is team based work, and our our latest generation expect to be able to work together. It's part of their generational makeup. I'm Generation X. I'm the guy that goes in, give me a job. Okay, leave me alone. Come back to me, and I'll have it done. Our current generation loves and expects to be able to use collaboration 
as part of their work life, as part of their school life. Of the jobs that are that are out there, they are more and more about collaboration and more about problem solving. And that's going to come through those resiliency skills and those collaborative skills. Most of our students on some level aren't going to be making widgets when they right. grow up. We have things to make the widgets. We need to be able to make the things, which is a much more complex process, yep. oftentimes taking a team to build. Right. And I started looking at what uh, resume builder, these companies that are uh, helping you to develop your resume, they're suggesting what you should put on it. They're they're saying, you know, include this kind of information. And one of the things that's on there is your technology skills. And whether you're a Microsoft user or a Google Suite user, employers want workers who can use Google Drive to organize things, Google Docs, Sheets, presentations, forms, which is really interesting. I always thought of forms as a, you know, it's something that we use in education a lot. It's the the thing that we can use to turn it into a quiz, but it's also something you can use just to gather information. And then the last one that they said was the most important, of course, was Gmail. And one of the things that we're doing uh, in our site is that we are teaching kids how to write appropriate email messages with an appropriate header or subject line and a polite message with a professional tone. Because we're trying to, we've decided as a department, we're going to own this part of their education. And it's, it's not part of our scope and sequence per se, but if the world of work needs people that have these skills, we want to send them out there with as much as we can. And the nice thing is they get embedded practice at using Google Drive, Docs, presentations, and all that from middle school on. That's just embedded. But now we've, we're looking at you know what can we do to make these things a little bit more targeted, a little bit more specific as they enter into that next part of their life, the world of work. It's a different skill set, for sure. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down the uh, our particular portrait of a graduate sure. as far as collaborator goes, just so maybe as, as you're going through these, I can hit on what we're saying as a portrait of a graduate and see what you think about that. Uh, so collaborator is respects divergent thinking to engage in thoughtful discussion, demonstrates the ability to work within a group to promote learning, increase productivity, and achieve common goals. And the last one is acknowledge and respect diverse perspectives and contributions. So is that what you're thinking of when you're thinking of a collaborator? Yeah, and that all happens. We all get that practice in, in our classrooms when we have students work in groups, whether we put them together or they choose their own. We can actively create a situation where that happens, and then we can guide it. And we can identify growth spots. Uh, <laughs> shall we say, and we can identify where things go well. And that we give them that practice on a, we give them that practice on a regular basis, which is great because I think our school system as a whole is geared toward collaborative work more than sit and get independent, put your head down and wear out your pencil. Mm -hmm. even, even when we talk about resiliency, we're not necessarily saying grind. When I think of grind, I think Sit and get. Here's your worksheet. Yeah, just get through it. Yeah, you, th there's maybe some benefit to that, but there's so much more, or you know, it's multiples better when you're actually collaborating and working with people and and growing together. And I see resilience as a a problem solving concept. When I run into a, a difficulty, when I run into a challenge, being resilient means being able to step back, address 
the the problem and find a way around it and find a solution to that. You killed the description. Able to bounce back from difficult or disappointing experiences and then demonstrates understanding and personal reflection for individual improvement and self-advocacy. Yeah, there you go. And I think that's really important now more than ever that we give students the understanding that 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 rebound is possible, that recovery is possible, that we don't have to run into a challenge and think of it as something that we can't overcome, but rather that every time we see one of those, we get to find a way around it. We have the opportunity. I always liked math, not because I loved math, but because I thought of it like it was a big puzzle. And if I could just figure out how the puzzle worked, then I could figure it all out. It's oftentimes our relationship. It's not the problem. It's our relationship to the problem yep. that makes the difference. Yep. If we can prepare our students to have a healthy relationship to the problems they're inevitably going to face, that's a real gift. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What other skills? I've got, I've got this like list. I, I came in with a little bit, and I, I started thinking about this, you know, the old, um, when am I ever going to use this routine like we started with? And I started digging into some statistics that come from the labor department, from this, there's a few Stanford uh, University studies. And one of the things that we've, we've learned is that in 2023, 12% of, of jobs are fully online and 28% are hybrid. And the other 60% are still fully in person. Thinking about what that means for things like being an effective communicator, being somebody who can be a critical and creative thinker in the moment or somebody who's resilient, somebody who has strong character. Working from home provides its own challenges. And I have friends who work from home nine days out of 10. What they have found through their company is when they started offering workers to be at home more often, they actually had an increase in productivity. Now that's not true in every company but overall, their productivity went up. And there's some statistics that, that support that, too, from some other um, national studies. In New York City, in the Manhattan Business District, only 9% of the people who work there go every day, which stunned me. Like, I think of Manhattan, I think of that business district as suit and tie, leather, sh- you know, the whole going, deal. Going, just going. Only yeah. 9%. But what that's also done is that it has expanded the job market and the earnings of places like Brooklyn, where people will stay home to do work, and then they go out for lunch in their neighborhood rather than down in, in the Manhattan borough. When we make the, those choices to, to work from home or not, we're making choices that affect the rest of that community. I thought that was interesting just as a kind of base to talk about this idea of what we need when we get out of high school. Because if we're already at 40% of jobs offer some kind of online or hybrid experience, our students need to be prepared to participate in that world. But the world of work is changing. And I think the more it changes, the more we need these characteristics that we have through the portrait of a graduate and the ISTE standards to make sure that they can compete with others who are joining that workforce. My youngest is headed down to Western, and and all of a sudden she's going from being somebody well-known and successful at Traverse City West 
to now being one of 25,000 kids and nobody knows who she is. And she's just another redhead walking across campus. All the credit that you built up over four to eight years, that's no longer applicable. Yep. And she's been starting to deal with it and she recognizes it. And, you know, she's asked questions like, how can I make myself stand out? And one of the ways to do that is to develop these kinds of skills so that when it comes time to participate in those experiences, whether it's on campus or in an internship, that you're prepared to to do that work and to to show that resilience, to show the skills of collaboration. To be adaptable. You're, you're, you're taking the skills that you've learned and adapting them to a new circumstance in a new environment and then becoming an effective communicator so that you can show your resiliency and your ability to mm-hmm. collaborate. There was a whole group of tools that was mentioned in, in one of the resources I was looking at for what kind of things can you put on your resume. And one of them was communication tools, not just Gmail, because everybody uses Gmail for what it does, but newer tools like Slack. Just the experience of having having some kind of experience with that tool and being able to say to somebody, oh, yeah, I've used that before, or, oh, I know how that works, or, oh, is that just is that similar to? That's something that, that can benefit our students. So the more we engage them in these opportunities, the more they can build up that backpack of survival tools. This is the hard thing, I think, with technology is how do we prepare students today mm-hmm. for jobs that might not be there in three years? Most of the items in the portrait of a graduate aren't tied to any specific job. So I think we've done a good job of that. Mm-hmm. What you're talking to is how do we provide them access to tools that may or may not be useful in three or four years? So for instance, you know, Slack's been around for a while, but not a really long while. Is it still going to be around yeah. in three years? But it is a tool that is useful in being a collaborator and an effective communicator. So even if something does replace it, yeah, it's probably going to be useful. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the name of the tool or the thing itself. Have you ever uh, worked on a... Um, a document where you collaborated with uh, others to solve a problem. Yeah, I used Google Drive for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I used Google Teams for that. Oh, okay. Um, I We used um, Slack. Well, we used uh, WeChat. I don't think the, the tool itself matters, but I think it's the explanation of how you use the tool to do the thing. And the thing is the collaboration or the problem solving or the critical thinking. That's really the 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 part of it that that never changes. It doesn't matter what tools we're using. We want our kids to be creative and critical thinkers. We want them to be collaborative. We want them to be resilient. Whether we're using Brightspace or Canva, whether you're using Google or Microsoft, if you have experience in one, you can transfer most of those skills to another. And maybe the skill is, I know how to figure out an online tool. It's almost as though we're looking at, at least when we're looking at a portrait of a graduate, we're looking at soft skills. Absolutely. But I know that I've talked with employers in the past when we have our career days, and I, what's the what's the number one most important skill that you need for your new hires coming in? They never talk about hands-on anything. We, we can train that. Yeah. It's always soft skills. It's being able to take direction. It's being able to communicate uh, both in writing and verbally. 
It's being able to be flexible and adaptable, and it's being willing to take on new roles. Like it's all soft skills every single time. It's never about, I need you to be able to swing a 16 ounce hammer. I need you to be able to use Python. They can teach that. What they can't teach is, can you be a good teammate? And that's what they want. All the young people that I see successful have that skill, I should sure. say. Just simply have that skill. Just simply have it. Wherever they got it, I don't know. Hopefully we taught it. I, I would just add one last thing, and we'll just tie a ribbon on this, and we will just kind of leave it alone because maybe it's so obvious. Is the one other thing, aside from going into the world of work and being prepared to be you know, the productive citizen and all that, is the one other thing that I think is super important and that I hope they walk away with is something that I know Danielle and Steph like to talk about, and that's that information literacy. Being able to know when their source is reliable, being able to know when they're being gaslit, being able to know where you can trust and maybe where you should ask questions, uh, and simply being able to know that you can ask questions, that it's okay to ask questions. And that if it seems like it's too ridiculous to be true, it might be. <laughs> My eldest kid, when I've, I've asked her similar questions, and she has pretty consistently said the most important skill she sees needed for students graduating is critical thinking. Sure. And that's the key part there, because critical thinking, that's one thing. But being able to be critical of information, to think critically about information. When I approach a project in English literature and I read an article that happens to be about how we might interpret Romeo and Juliet or whatever, my critical thinking should be engaged so that I can evaluate the claims that are being made about the literature. doesn't necessarily have to be about a news source, but that's there too. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to drop that in the middle of the table and leave it, and we'll pick that up maybe again another time. I'm going to backfill with our moment of Zen, because I think that you've, you've tied a bow. I'm going to tie it a little bit tighter. Education is not preparation for life. Education is life itself. I like that. I read all the time. And it's not always for edification. Sometimes it's just for pleasure and fun. But even so, that it makes me make connections to other things is always part of that learning. Absolutely. Do you have a tech tool? I've been playing around with some AI stuff, but I think I need to reserve my my recommendations on that until maybe the fall when we have some guidance on whether or not we're going to be using these or not. Wait, wait to drop that. I like that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the to the TCAP Loop Pod for AI more AI discussion. All right. So please, please, if you enjoy the podcast, rate, review, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Castbox, Overcast, Bullhorn or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Congratulations, class of 2023.